Oh man, you are in for a treat. This is a bonus episode. We interview Noah Hutton from the film Lapsus. Noah was the director. And this film is kind of about the gig economy, which fits perfect in our podcast. Here's some of the press notes real quick. An original sci-fi world and timely political themes. The film imagines a gig economy organized around a boom in quantum computing where predatory corporate forces threaten everyday workers tasked with the work needed to lay this new quantum infrastructure in rural areas. The work takes the form of laying cable through huge swaths of forest connecting massive cubic transistors. The film portrays human laborers who are forced to work without basic protections and are often robbed of their routes by automated cabling robots. These themes are central to some of our political discourse surrounding the 2020 presidential campaign raised by Andrew Yang and others about the threat of automation and the issues faced by the gig economy laborers around the world. They are also a part of a growing awareness of the exploitation of workers subcontracted by tech giants like Amazon, kept on timers and forced to sacrifice basic physical comforts in order to compete for their paychecks. And there's a bunch more things that they written, and I've included those in the notes. But we had an incredible time talking to Noah. It was really cool to watch the movie. And if you're a gig worker, you're gonna you're gonna feel some stuff. Like you are gonna have emotion watching this movie. What this character is going through. It was so well done, and had it. Like I said, we had a fantastic time to, with Noah and watching the movie. So. Listen to the interview. The movie will be out February 12th on all video on demand platforms and anywhere locally. You just have to check your theater if they're playing it. Um, obviously, with a th- lot of the theaters being closed, some of them are doing it digitally where you can kind of rent it. But uh, you can go to Amazon, iTunes, anywhere you get your video download. And I encourage you to do it because if you are a gig worker, you will definitely enjoy this movie. Thanks again, guys, for listening. Enjoy the interview. It, but it's fun, though. It's fun. Yeah. But, I mean, again, being honest with you, though, Noah, and transparent, this, this is the first movie we've been asked to, to do an interview with. But it's exciting, right? Because it's um, just the, the whole connection to the gig economy obviously makes sense. And it's a both me and Jason was very pleasantly surprised about the movie. got to say, it's, you guys did a great job. Oh, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. It yeah, was a scra- scrappy production. We did our best. Yeah, I watched the trailer and I'm like, okay, okay, and I think it, I think it helped uh, that we're all gig workers, uh, so I could relate to a lot of that. So why don't you uh, jump? Why don't you just tell tell us how you came up with the idea about this? Yeah, well, the the idea came from from a personal experience. I'm someone who hasn't ever worked specifically in the gig economy, but I've been an independent contractor for about a decade now. So I've been, I've ever since I graduated from college, I made my living by starting my own, you know, LLC and, and serving my services as a, a video editor and a videographer at large for nonprofits, small companies, you know, getting it. Then I got into more commercial work living in New York. And so in doing that work and kind of making my way for a decade in that capacity, uh, I started to feel some of the stresses of the independent contracting life. And I think that served as kind of a foundation for this, for the, for the subject matter, but the world of the film of lapsus definitely has more fantastical elements in it. Um, that came in more, more from just 
the, the sci-fi genre, seeing the quantum computing coming around the corner and imagining a world where all this new infrastructure work might need to be done to service quantum computing. And so, and then a lot of little elements you see in the, in our world today that are percolating, like delivery, automated delivery robots that are, yeah. that companies are trying to roll out and literally roll out in different cities. And, right. uh, and then, you know, I guess the last element to, to mention, which is a little more of a far-fetched connection, but I, I have a background in being really interested in brain science and neuroscience. I studied it as an undergraduate in college and I, I never really got into being a scientist, but it was kind of just brain stuff was always really interesting to me. And something about creating the world for this film felt kind of like imagining the world of a brain and making all these connections all the time. And the the idea of cabling in the, in lapsus where these workers are constantly asked to forge new connections in this world. But each individual worker, if you think of like each individual cell in the brain doesn't know what connections they're making. They're just sort of a cog in the overall machine. I guess that that was another kind of like conceptual layer. That's pretty cool. I, I, I must say I, um, and and I promise Jason not to get too deep into it, so I won't. But I, I the, the whole the whole idea of the gig it interests me a lot. And for me, I'm a person that I need to understand it and need to make sense to me. And not it doesn't quite yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. But I also understand that that's not really the important part of the movie. Obviously, it is, but but talk a little bit more about the interactions. You mentioned yourself. You brought up the whole, you know, the robots and the cablers, um, the people working, uh, bringing the cables around. Right. Talk a little bit about like just just um, the aspect of that from when you first see Ray, um, I guess, out in the forest. And I don't want to talk too much, of course, about the movie itself, but just. This whole thing, how did you come up with that whole aspect of the community and, 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 the, and those kind of things? Does it make sense, that question? Yeah, just sort of like what you, you want to, you, you're asking a little bit more about the mechanics of cabling and, and the world and how I kind of thought of the gig. I, I think I was, but I'm not sure we need to go that deep. <laughs> <laughs> I told well, let me, you. Let me just mention a few, a few things about that. Um, yeah. The, one of the things I was I was inspired by for this thinking about this gig is um, high speed trading. Well, uh, you know the way that yeah. high, speed, high frequency trading on Wall Street works. A lot of it has to do with geographic proximity, and yeah. a terminal, you know, in Lower Manhattan, uh, exchanging information with a terminal in Trenton, New Jersey, versus a terminal across the ocean. There's going to be a different frequency there, and I'm sure many people are aware that that's going to affect the volume of trades being done, and therefore even the price the traders are. Are bidding at and so forth. So I I was thinking of a, a world where that whole system has to run on quantum computing, and okay. there's a there's a there's a bit of a leap here because the thing about quantum computing is it does require new infrastructure. You do need new fiber optic t- cables to connect quantum computing terminals. I don't think that high frequency trading is going to be replaced by quantum computing, and we're going to need to literally do this out in the woods. So this right. is where the, the the, the fantastical leap of science fiction comes in a little bit. Sure. But, uh, if you'll just grant me, you know, if you watch the movie and you you buy this world, the the premise of it enough to get out into the woods with this main character yep. and to kind of buy that this story uh, places him there. And the whole point of the story really is meant to f- make you feel like Ray is an everyman 
who sure. because he doesn't necessarily have to understand how all the science works. No, we, we don't. I hope as an audience, I, and I hope you don't. You know, people don't feel like they're missing something because they aren't. It's, <laughs> it's, it's okay. And sure. so, out out in the forest, what these companies have essentially done is to enter automation into the woods, right. not necessarily as a force that's going to be completing routes uh, and and phasing out humans. But I, I would I would argue that in the film, the autom- the force of automation. We can talk about maybe how this relates to the world we're in, we're in today. The force of automation is more to encourage humans to work harder and faster. Mm. So in a way, it's it's meant to push the humans to sleep less and work harder because these little robots uh, don't seem to me like they could take over the job completely from the humans. They're still going to need a, a human workforce to get them across bodies of water and through brush, etc., and then, and then the you, you mentioned the the idea of community out there, and I yep. think that that's something else uh, I was interested in is the way in which um, many of these aspects of the of ind- independent contracting and gig economy life are are built also as sort of a lifestyle, and sure. these apps have a li- a community aspect to them um, because one of the unfortunate results I think being an independent contractor is you can feel very atomized. And cut off from the world, so you do see these companies trying to inject a, a community attention to their products, right? And I think you hit the nail on the head right there. We we as a group, so we call ourselves an entertainment uh, group, I guess, um, and we're not connected directly to any other gig economies other than the, the fact that we do them, right? Um, you know, Uber and Lyft and Flex. I think we have a lot of ship shoppers. We have, you know, we, we touch everything. But what we've been trying to do for now, I think close to three, maybe even three and a half years, is we have tried to build a community, not dependent on the gig, but the surrounding around the fact that we are all gig workers. Because exactly what you just said, Noah, was exactly true. I, you know, I was finding myself when I was out driving primarily weekends. It was it was just lonely. You 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 were just kind of you were yourself, and in between the rides, you weren't you weren't talking to anybody, you weren't doing anything, right? And so, what we have now, we have a pretty active community where we are using apps in between rides to talk to each other when we you know when we out are working, and and it's much more, it's just as much getting out there to make money as it is getting out there to spend time with your buddies. And and so that brings that that other aspect. So that was very interesting how you brought that into uh, to the movie. And you see several places. I think there's several key areas in the movie where that's really portraying that very well. And so I appreciated that. I thought that was really cool. Now let me go back to touch on one thing that you mentioned that you, you said you don't think the robots is going to take over like tomorrow or soon, and maybe not. But let me so let me draw draw a, a, a parallel to. Obviously, Uber and Lyft, right? Right away. Because the big fear there from a lot of workers is that maybe not tomorrow, but very soon, self-driving cars is going to take over that job, right? It's not going to be the robot that's going to do it for us. It's going to be the self-driving vehicle. And, and it's, we know it's going to come there at some point. But definitely, it'll be a and, – and, and the fear there is it's going to be a system that's safer and better then because we, we remove the human factor from the driving, right? Why wouldn't it be that for in, in, in this perspective?
The Gig Economy Podcast will be back after a quick break. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. I think I think it would eventually. I'm just saying in the, the level of automation that's portrayed in the film. Okay is is um almost like it almost feels like these are robots from the 90s there there's a retro sci-fi element to the world of lapsus sure and that's on purpose it's just because i i also feel like in relation to your question self-driving technology it's uh, you know self-driving cars the, the promise has been there for over a decade now we've been hearing non-stop about it and company after company has gotten close and then they've had a big test or something you know something has We've been like, it's right around the corner. Every publication is trumping up some new rollout. And then some sort of awful tragedy happens. And someone gets hurt. There's an accident. You know, these cars still can't, as far as I know, the AI can't perfectly tell between sand or snow what it's driving on kind of surfaces. So, I I mean, yeah, sure. Eventually, the technology might get there. I don't think we're there now. And I, I would even bet not there in the next five years. No. It's just moving pretty slowly. So I, the world of lapsus is meant to uh, more closely resemble what I've felt living in the last 10 years of a world with AI promises right around the corner. But the technology is actually still much, you know, it, it's much inferior to the intelligence of the human worker. Oh, yeah, sure. I don't want to create a sci-fi world where robots could clearly do it better than humans, but they're not. Because right. once they are, I agree with you, the market forces will just push humans right out of the picture. Right. So we need to be ready for that to happen. We need to think about what, well, what, what can those workers be doing if they're not doing that? What, where will the jobs be? So uh, switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about you filming in the woods. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I, you know, Obviously, you have really nice cameras. Tell me some of the challenges of filming and i mean it wasn't a set it were straight up in the woods and then one thing i thought and this is just totally random but ray had trouble getting out of that tent every single time it it, it really caught my attention i'm like he that's that poor guy every time he's trying to get out of that tent he almost trips yeah (laughs) I, i i wrote this film for the actor Dean Imperial, who nobody will have heard of because he's not been in any films before. Okay. He's been in one short film a decade ago, but he's been a friend of mine in New York. Uh, he, he came to New York as someone who wanted to be an actor, but he got more into playwright, uh, the playwright world and, and writing for theater. And um, I, I just you know met him through a common friend and, and I, I could see that he had that quality still in him, that charisma that he could hold you know, a leading man, uh, uh, he could be a leading man of a film. So I, I, I thought when I was writing Lapsus, he'd be perfect for this role, the kind of everyman, uh, blue collar worker who comes in and, and sort of the world is just like passing him by. So, so, so you know, he, he's a, a guy who doesn't camp. And, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I have camped a few times, but Dean has never camped. And so bringing him out into the forest, 
I, I, I would often like set up a scene and have him get in, help him get inside a tent and then just ask him to get out while we were rolling. And that would be, many of those are just, you know, natural captures of Dean trying to figure out tents. Okay. How to, how to like build a tent, which is, which, which is in the film too. Yeah. Interesting. We got totally frustrated with that. And so that was, that was like, but almost documentary. Yeah. So tell me, did you have any challenges filming in the woods at all? Like was, or was it just, was it pretty easy? It, it was tough because it's summer and there's, you know, it's hot, there's mosquitoes. Um, it's, it's low budget indie filmmaking. So people are doing more uh, individually than on a bigger set where you have, you know, more PAs and stuff helping with every department. So everyone's taking on a little bit more work um, and pushing themselves. And, you know, we, we made sure a lot of indie films will go six days a week and take one day off to try to, because if you're, especially if you're bringing people out to a location, yeah, putting them up at a hotel or something. So we were putting people up at a local motel, shooting a lot of this in state park land and also some private property. Um, we, just because of the quality of work was so hard, we we did do two day weekends, which I think was important for morale and you know physical recovery. So I think that helped. But um, you know, shooting in the woods is is um, that there it, it, in retrospect, it felt like we were on cam- at camp or something. Like it always <laughs> it always like glows a little bit more in your mind. Yeah, in retrospect, but it was it was definitely had its challenges. Interesting. I, I thought I read somewhere that you guys did it in a in a was it surprising twenty nine days or something like that of shooting it was like very low right we did twenty six days twenty six wow. days it was just amazing yeah and I gotta tell you I I did not think that it felt to me like a low budget movie it nope. did not oh, it, it was it was it was very very well done um, I was as I said we yeah it was just like any other movie that I've seen sure. in the movies so. Um, and and I thought that the the casting was super strong. Um, Good. Well, that's all you can. That's casting is um, to a certain extent the cheapest thing you can do because it's really just a decision you have to make of who to yeah. ask to do the part, right? But then sure. you know, if you certainly if you're casting actors who uh, will need to be paid a lot, then it, it stops being cheap very quickly. But we were w- working with a cast of you know some some people who have been in some some high profile projects, but certainly no household names, no stars per se. So there was a certain humility about the whole production. We were all in it together, which is a nice, you want to try to engender that, you know, that, that ethos on set. And we definitely had that going for us. But I think that works very well as well with the fact that it ties into the gig economy, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I think it wouldn't have been the same if you had taken three or four very, very big names and throw them into the gig economy. I don't think that would have worked. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know if we'd believe it. I mean, I saw there was that uh, film about Uber a couple of years ago. Yeah. Which, um, Stuber. You know, Stuber, right. <laughs> I never watched it. Stuber, yeah. I saw <laughs> half of it. I couldn't watch the rest. I got to oh, like, See, that's when you know if, you, if, you, if you're talking <laughs> to an actual gig worker who couldn't watch Stuber, you know, something <laughs> went off the rails on that film. It was just. <laughs> yeah, no, it was stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, one one of the things uh, you brought up emotion with me when I was watching it because some of the frustrations that Ray was having, I'm like, I have those frustrations, like trying to get ahead, trying to do more, constantly hustling and hustling, and so I had frustrations, and I I was like, 
I liked his attitude of like, I'm going to get this done. Um, although with him and I, I don't remember the female uh, leads name, but I, I kind of wanted like a relationship to happen. I was kind of like, okay, where are they going to like get together? I, I don't know why, but that's how well, you know it's pretty good because I was like creating my own stories as I was watching it. I, I think with without saying more, I don't. I think that that's a little open ended. Well, yeah, I, I like that kind of delicious tension where where people are, you know, they're they're on the cusp of friendship or something more, and you right. feel something in the air. There's that scene. There's a scene where they're in the tent together yeah and you know it's kind of like well i guess i'll go back to my tent and you know and i think i think that's like to me that's like people kind of ships passing in the night when you meet like another freelancer or something and you you, you know share notes for a while at at, at like a bar or something and it's like well are we i guess we're just talking about work okay we're going home (laughs) you know yeah and and a lot of that lifestyle i think is sort of like ships in the night I actually think you 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 chose completely right there because it would would have been so easy to take it to the next step and you decided not to and so I thought that was great. Cool. That was that was that was really no, cool no spoiler, spoiler alert. There's they don't get together. Uh, <laughs> I was worried I was going to give something yeah. away, but I mean it, it really yeah, has sorry. nothing to do with the movie. But right. I want to I don't want to say too much. So we we are in a medium sized market here in 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 West Michigan. And and probably shielded a little bit from uh, gig economy in in like very very large cities. So I think there's a lot of things that we don't necessarily see. But I also know and and have read a lot about a lot of the uh, things that people do do on the different uh, platforms. And I'm of course talking about the whole safety, not safety, but the whole like. Um, aspect of of misusing the platform the cable and you're talking about that of course as well the whole the whole concept as to how ray gets the medallion uh which obviously is not completely kosher um and and that kind of stuff what do you think in in your personal opinion you know this is this is all you know difficult and of course it's it's hard to say how how do we how do we make things more safe but what could you have done what could capra have done to prevent some of those things and what could we do in in the future uh, in all things gig economy to to make make sure that these different platforms don't get misused do you think yeah that's a that's a interesting question because i think what i was what i was thinking of um, more so than the way in which any particular platform is has users sign up and create ids and everything i was actually thinking more of the New York City taxi driving medallion system. Oh, which uh, if you if you're familiar is like the 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 process of getting a medallion to be a New York City cab driver is um, arduous, very expensive, and yeah. like a, the, the medallion itself is becomes a like a prized commodity that gets handed down through generations to relatives when someone you know retires because it's that valuable. There's a limited amount of them, you know, so. I was thinking of what if what if a, a gig economy company had adopted more of a medallion type system because this labor is so sought after they had to they had to some, somehow winnow it down. Now I don't think that that's the way in which Uber or any other platform right now works. If you go through the qualifications, you can get right. become a, a driver. Now you might you might be in an area a rural area where you don't you know there's not a lot of rides available. Right. So, that that might be the challenge you're up against, but I, platform security right now in the gig economy, I don't, I'm not, I'm not aware of people okay. like misusing, you know, uh, 
I, I know, like, but what I was thinking about is there are there are services like Grubhub I've read about where you, if you don't take a certain, um, if you don't accept a certain amount of low dollar orders, like if you're not taking enough three dollar yep. orders, you're not going to get to that next tier of orders. You're not going to see those twelve dollar orders or whatever. And right. um, and maybe you guys are familiar with that. Yeah, I, I've definitely heard about that. I don't know if I've experienced it myself, but. I, I think it's more of a rumor kind of thing, but okay. Well, <laughs> I, 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 sir, I'm, I'm going to work for Grubhub, so I'm just reading. Yeah, you know, this is maybe this is speculative journalism, but for me, you know, my my as a as a filmmaker, then I my mind runs with that. So yeah, I, I, but I, I was thinking of like that. That's a kind of way that these platforms could be misused. If someone transferred their ID, their account, right. to someone else, and they've they've put in that time to get to those high dollar orders and they give it to a new, a newbie mm, and then sure. that, you know, all of a sudden it has, you know, top tier orders, but they haven't put in any time. That's a similar to the world of lapses. Correct. Correct. And that is, that's definitely a way that, 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 I mean, it's not confirmed as to whether or not any of the platforms in today's world is, is utilizing that kind of methodology. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's probably going on. <laughs> you know that it would be difficult to to think that it wasn't. So I think that was that's a very interesting aspect there. I was more thinking about the whole. I mean, so yes, the medallion being handed over. I I get that. That's all stuff. But all of a sudden, he he's realizing Ray is realizing that this medallion isn't reset, and there's a lot of things on this medallion that is not. It's not like it's, it's like he feels like it's not like he's supposed to. And some of his own internal warnings are going off, right? He he doesn't feel good about it. And he's obviously out there and everybody else is looking at him funny and that kind of stuff. And it's just he notices that things isn't right, right? And so I think that brings up a, a, an interesting security aspect, safety aspect as well uh, about the whole gig economy because, of course, Two things has to be there, right? Um, which I think your your movie touches perfectly on both of them. But the whole safety about the worker, but also safety about the product. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, I think though that that's interesting. Um, and but again, I just wanted to to touch on those and I thought it was it was pretty cool how you had both of those included in the movie as well. Yeah, I guess I, I guess one one other aspect of that is, and I'd be curious your take on this is is the, the, I was just talking about the, the tiers of, of uh, orders or rides in terms of the, the amount you're being paid for them. But what about your, what about the rating systems for the worker themselves? I mean, you, part of the labor you put in, the time you put in as a gig worker, right, is to get higher ratings. Yep. And if that identity is transferred, that's a bit of an abuse because that's not exactly honest to the new worker right. who's absorbed your identity. So, I mean, have you ever heard of people doing that of, of sort of like handing off their their rating system to someone else. Well, there have been talk about people using other people's phones, right? And so, and and the whole uh, the whole thing, you know, both Uber and Lyft and a lot of the other ones, they all work with this whole background check. And and so, a constant thing is if people are misusing other people's accounts to get around the background check to to be that, and how important it is that for the rider to make sure that the driver is, in fact, who the driver is supposed to be right. before they get into the car. So that whole aspect there uh, being the safety about both the driver and also, obviously, in this case, uh, the rider. So that, yes, but yeah, you're right. The, the whole rating system ties into that very, very closely as well. Right. 
So absolutely. One of the things that towards the end, they were kind of unionizing. And did you just pull that from general unions or kind of all the talk about AB5 in California and, you know, how they're kind of shifting the model of, you know, providing health care and, and those kind of things? Is that where you pulled that from or you're just in general, you know, people get pissed? I mean, there's there's uh, I think it's in it maybe Atlanta or somewhere, but Amazon employees are starting to put a union together because of the mistreatment at the facility. So I'm just wondering where you pulled that idea from and, and how you. Yeah, I think that. that's in Alabama right now. Oh, Alabama. OK. Um, but I, I've been reading both about, you know, a lot of organizing going on and, and being thwarted for for Amazon workers, which we'll see what happens with this one. Yeah. But I, but certainly you mentioned California. I've been following California closely because it's it's not only where so many of these apps originated, but where a lot of the late the, the vanguard of these struggles continues to take place. Obviously, Prop Twenty Two. Yep. Um, I actually watched you guys talking about Prop Twenty Two a bit. Oh, um, I watched your episode on that. It was okay. an interesting discussion. I appreciated it. Oh, thank you. Um, and um, I, so yeah, it was absolutely eighty five. You mentioned um, I. I you know, I've just been interested to see how union um, unionizing would would fit in with the gig gig economy because it's been it's been difficult. You know, in New York, we have something called the Freelancers Union, and it, it it's not exactly a union. There's it's sort of like union in name only, um, and and it's it's a way basically to just have a healthcare market where people can poke around on Obamacare through another web portal. It's yeah. just it doesn't. It's like it's like many of these things are just sort of shells of an idea of what a union should be. I, I I definitely pulled that from a you know a bunch of different places, but there this just the struggle kind of continues. Um, I'd be curious your guys's take on on that, especially you know you're not necessarily in an in a urban setting. A lot of these struggles are going on more in cities and stuff. So um, uh, you know I just saw the other day that. Instacart has just slashed 1,900 jobs and a lot, and all of their union jobs oh. are part of the slash. And so, I think what also happens is companies allow some unionizing to take place, and then they'll just cut that sector of the labor force off and and open it back up to non-unionized folks. So, yeah, right, it's it's tough out there. I, I companies don't want it, you know. So, I I think I don't know if it will require more top-down regulation or. Um, I'm curious your th- your thoughts on that, though. My personal thought is, I think if there is more top-down regulation, I think the gig economy is going to be destroyed. Okay. Uh, because, for to me, but I also understand this is very difficult and it's very different, right? I think there's a lot of people out there that get into the gig economy thinking that that's going to be the new nine-to-five. Um, and I just don't think that's what gig economy is about. I don't. I mean. We talk a lot about having a lot of baskets. That's kind of how we refer to it. You want to make sure that you don't want to put all your 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 breads in one basket, whatever, and, and don't depend on just one platform. If you are a gig worker and you want to do that, that's great. But then make sure you have a lot of different ways of making that money that you need to do every week or every month or whatever it is. Um, and for us, and, and I think most me and Jason are very close on this, we were people that, who really didn't want the whole AB5, and we were for the Proposal 22 so that we can continue being contract workers and we can continue having the freedom that that gives us. Um, but but we also maybe 
maybe a little bit shielded here in 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 a in a smaller market where you don't have to do those things. You, on the other hand, let me turn you around and and ask your opinion about that. Uh, coming and having stayed longer in a bigger city, what what do you think? I mean. Last time I was in Chicago, I looked around and all I saw was Uber and Lyft vehicles everywhere, right? That's the only thing you see cars around. There's so many of them. So I understand that there's a lot of people doing that. And I think it's a different thing in the bigger cities than in the smaller cities. Right. I, I, I hear you on, on some kind of, some kind of t draconian top-down regulation could shatter you know, the, the way in which the, free, the, the gig economy plugs in the gaps right now that are out there in the market. And, and you know, offer services that people actually genuinely want. But I, I you know, something about Prop 22 that, I, that I, I was interested in is that it seems like it's, it's actually restricting people to be using one app at a time. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but one of the restrictions is that you can't double dip and have as many baskets as your, you know, your, your, your analogy about having not sure. like one basket. So, it, all of a sudden, you have to stick with one app. You, you're you're stuck with um, the the jobs that come your way, mm -hmm. the ride that come your way, and you're not paid for that idle time. So you're paid for like your engaged time, they call it, right? So yep. right. Um, you know, is it is it really uh, accommodating that, it, or is it be, is it squeezing people so they have to work like fifty hour work weeks now to get to minimum wage, and that that work week is made only of their engaged time? So Unlike like a Starbucks employee who's paid for that full eight hour day, you know, the day they're behind sure. the counter, this, this worker is only paid for when they're actually giving a ride. So I, I, I'm, I'm worried about something like Prop 22 for those reasons. I, I understand the reason to support it because it feels like it's the only way forward for hat providing this kind of work and that you'll get squeezed out in the market if, the, if those measures are not put into place. But my solution would be more along the lines of, making these companies more worker owned. And I think, I think part of the problem is that there's a, there's such a huge disparity in executive pay to worker pay yeah. in, in so many sectors of the, of, you know, the American corporate structure, but especially gig economy that right. if, if you had models where you had more worker ownership of companies, I think you would see a, an evening out uh, of, of affording more of a safety net to workers not having them have to get to some kind of 25 hour minimum or something per week to get those benefits, but an immediate safety net upon working for that company. So I just think there's so many things that would be different if these companies were owned more by workers. You, and the fact that they're not, and you have CEOs running away with so much money, right? It, it, it's that those were some of, are where some of the abuses come in for me. And, and totally true. Totally true. And and you mentioning that is obviously also the constant talk and the constant struggle about, you know, all the rates continually going down uh, where you are. And so absolutely. Yeah, there's there definitely that that's a different side of it as well. Well, yeah, just as we're wrapping up here, my whole point with that is like the money's got to come from somewhere. If you want health care, these people, these workers act like, you know, it's just going to be the best thing in the world if they have all this stuff and but 
where's the money going to come from? <laughs> like, right. and, and you're going to get limited hours. So we're, we're, I, I feel like I let me use whatever app I want and I'll go out and do my own hustle and I'll worry about my other stuff on my, and my own, you know, benefits by myself. I don't, I don't need the company to provide them. That's just my two cents on that. Yeah. But I'm saying, I'm saying, Jason, you should be paid more for that time because then well, you wouldn't you wouldn't have to hustle so much to get some basic provisions like health. And you know, we've talked about that. Would I like to get paid more? That is the one thing that I think should happen. I think customers yeah. would be willing to pay a little bit more for the service if the drivers got if the drivers got that money, not if it just goes that's in the right. pocket. That's right. But that's the only thing I agree with. I would like to get paid <laughs> a little bit more, but like all the other stuff, like the sick pay and whatever, I don't need any of that stuff. So maybe you can do some, you can think about a situation where there's some top down regulation for that, maybe. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Noah, I won't take up any more of your time. This has been a it's been a pleasure, honestly. Uh I was really excited. I actually watched the movie this morning. I wanted as fresh in my head as I could. So um I we definitely appreciate the opportunity. When is this gonna be out and how can people see it? Uh it's gonna be out on February twelfth on Every major VOD platform, okay. iTunes, Amazon. Um, also, like it, it's available through local theaters virtually. So if you're if you're inclined to look if uh, on the uh, film's website, you can see all the film the theaters it's playing at virtually. Okay, so that you can support your local theater. Um, a lot of independent, you know, art house theaters around the country are are playing it virtually again in our in our COVID times. There's no in person. Right. Um, screenings, but it's a way to help your your struggling local movie theater. So, but yeah, people can find it on their major VOD platforms where they stream stuff from um, February 12th. And let me just say uh, thank you guys for having me on. It's, it's been really fun to talk to you about this stuff. And it was a lot of the source material for the film. So it's great to engage with people who, who live and breathe it. Well, thanks again, Noah. Uh, how can people find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Noah underscore Hutton and uh, Instagram also. And um, my, my website's NoahHutton.com. Okay. Any other projects in the, in the, that you're working on or are you just like taking a break now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've already written my next script. All right. we'll, we'll have to get that going soon. Um, and that takes a look at the world of advertising um, and uh it's something somewhere I've done a lot of work, so I'll, I'll, I'm trying to explore that next. And then I've, I've got a documentary coming out about neuroscience oh, nice. that I've been working on for 10 years. I've been going, I've been shooting a little bit for every year for 10 years, and it's oh. coming out. It's finally done, and that'll be out sometime this year. So that's on my website. You can check that out too. Sweet, it's called it Very it's cool. In silico. In silico. You'll be able, you'll be able to find both the links down below. Yep. All right, Noah. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity, and uh, you have a great evening. All right, you too, All Jason. Right. Thanks you. a lot. Thanks, guys.